Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Does this eight game slide at home dating back to last year getting under your skin? Is it pissing you off? Is it uh, losing is pissing me off? That's what pisses me off. I don't really, I don't really keep stats on uh, the home game, away game stretch. You can't. Uh... Kyler Murray, a little salty as the Cardinals get ready for a Thursday night game. Eight game home losing streak. Sure, he doesn't know. Jeez, they've lost eight straight games. At home. Sure, he doesn't pay attention to that. Speaking of salty, I come upstairs and usually one of the first things I do is announce that I'm here so they can be sure that they can actually hear me. And I check to make sure I can hear Chris because you never know what gremlins have found their way into the pipeline. But Chris was salty about something. I couldn't I hear what you were complaining. about. I couldn't hear. I, mean, I don't know. I was already going Oh, Here we go again. So I don't know. You know, there's a, a wire over here that I got to jiggle like, you know, like I'm like, I don't even understand it. I got to jiggle it every now and then for it to work so I can hear what you're saying or the control room saying. So I don't I don't know. It bothers me. I thought I heard you saying something about people complaining about you pouring liquid into the trash. I thought we crossed that bridge and. And burned it in the rear view mirror. I'm, 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 I'm a believer, first off, that you know, every now and then I still do pour liquid in the trash or put a little like milk left in my cereal bowl in the trash, right? And I, I believe that like sometimes it's the people who do the garbage that sabotage this stuff right here. First off, they take the garbage cans out of the room when I do it. The next day, it won't be here. So they obviously have like a thing with it. And then when stuff like that doesn't work, I want to go, well, they yanked this or they're messing with this because uh, they're mad that there was liquid in there. So that was just one of my theories. 
You know, it's a conspiracy theory, but I'm I'm on the case, Mike. <laughs> That's quite a conspiracy theory, given that you continue to be smitten with the JFK conspiracy theories. The only book you ever read That's right. was JFK related. And by the way, now that we're on that topic, I meant to mention this. Yeah. Apparently there's some lawsuit that's been yeah. filed against the Biden administration. Right. Because there was a promise to release the rest of the JFK documents. They don't want to release and, it. And Biden has refused before that. Number 45 refused. Well, number 45, remember, be- he was all into it. And then at the last minute, they got him to pull back on it for some reason. But, and it's obvious. I mean, come on. The government killed JFK. Americans killed JFK. That's, that's why they don't want you to see it. There's major players at play. Major. Major political people, major CIA, FBI, they're all involved in it. They all kill, are a part of killing JFK. So they don't want to, they don't want anybody to see that. I thought it was the mafia. They played, they played a hand in it. I think there might have been some connections there, right? You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. I, I do think so. Of course, JFK and, and RFK kind of used the mafia, right, to get elected and then kind of turned their back on them. And then RFK basically was like going to end organized, organized crime. So, uh, but no, I think the mafia maybe, you know, had a few players involved, but uh, ultimately no way, no way that the mafia could have pulled this off the way they did. There's so you got to read this book, Mike, JFK and the unspeakable. I'm telling you, it's, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. I bought it. Yeah. I bought it at your recommendation a couple of years ago. It's a hard ago, read. But you know, I've gotten to the point where – well, it has words like octogenarian in it. I've gotten <laughs> exactly. to the point where I don't like I, – and I, 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 I say this fully aware of the fact that I'm trying to get people still to buy my book, Playmakers. I don't like <laughs> reading books as books. I like reading on my phone. Oh, I got you. Right. Because you can read it anywhere and you can see it. I've been slogging through a biography of Dean Martin – for months now because the Prince Small, or I'm old, maybe both. Go ahead and play the piano music. But the Prince Small, I feel like I need a magnifying glass to see the print. I need to get those Reader's Digest books that are in 24 font. Thank you very much. I've come to enjoy that music. It is. So JFK and the Unspeakable. We'll see. We'll see. It's a tough read, like I said. One of these days, somebody's going to release all that stuff that by law is required to be released. Yeah. Litigation has commenced to force the government to do what the government's promised to do. So you're saying there really is a deep state. Oh, in in this case, for sure. For sure. And again, like, like I said, this book you read, this is a guy that sued the government and right, they give you all the information, but they drowned you in information, right? So you might have, and how he even explains it, you, you might get five pages of real information and then they put like a thousand pages with it and they kind of mix it in there with like nonsense and bullcrap. And then like the important stuff. So you got to really dig through. That's what they've kind of do, do, done to people. It's what actually got me into the subject altogether is there was a man in my town growing up who sued the government? And he came in my seventh grade. We had like a, a you know, uh, what do they call an assembly, right? And he was the one that kind of got me down this track and got me so intrigued by it. And uh, ever since then, I've, I've kind of, uh, you know, it's one of my, my, my things, one of my things that I like to enjoy or hobby or dig into and, and all that stuff. So we've established two things so far this morning in the first six minutes of the program. Number one. 
there was a deep state back in the early 1960s in the United States of America. And number two, there is a deep state at the NBC Sports. Exactly. 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 You're, we're on it. It's acting can't pull against you. PFT. By number one, removing the trash cans the day after you pour liquid yeah. into it, which I guess is better than urinating into the trash can. Uh, slightly, slightly better. Somebody right. did when they were five Yeah, but they old. like they and, put them in other rooms. Like they're not even in here today. I'll go in another room over there, and there'll be two garbage cans in there, and then the one that was in here is like down the hallway. Uh, so they're they're obviously mad at me. And the next level is to insert some sort of technological glitch into the wire that you use so you can hear. I will say I was there on Monday, and I had no issues whatsoever with the wire. Yeah, None okay. Good. At all. Good. So good. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I can promise you I will not be putting any liquids into the trash can when I'm there the next time, although I did not see a trash can. Maybe they are aware of my reputation as a five-year-old peeing into the trash can. They <laughs> Seriously, they know. Before I You're even busted. show up. All right. Uh, the show is PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. I don't know why they continue to sponsor the show, given some of the subjects we get into, especially off the top, but we appreciate it nonetheless. Hello to our audience on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports, NFL in the UK and in London, and anyone listening to the podcast whenever and wherever you may be wherever you are tonight tune in to amazon or nfl plus the games are also on nfl plus by the way or televised locally in the markets where the teams playing in the game reside new orleans and arizona are the markets tonight they're both two and four as the saints take on the cardinals and what a difference it is because it was week eight last year when the cardinals were unbeaten Chris. It's crazy. Green Bay Packers. That right. was that epic Thursday night game yeah. with the great gif of Aaron Rodgers' crazy eyes, helmet the all chin askew, strap in his nose. Chin strap right, in his right. face. That that was a great game, and that was the one that derailed the Cardinal season because that's where Kyler Murray suffered the ankle injury on the next to last play of the game. And remember the game was decided by the failure of AJ Green to realize the ball was being thrown his way and it was intercepted and that was that so uh it just shows you what a difference a year can make because now the cardinals who started 10 and 2 last year now have twice as many losses through half as many games at two and four yeah it's uh it's been a struggle it really is they're not the same football team Uh, you know i I don't want to say they're not the same football team half their team is not the same the defense is stingy and a pain in the butt and you take away week one, right, which it's okay to take away week one. That's always a crazy week, and you had to play the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at the, the Cardinals' defense, it's, it's the real deal. They're extremely well coached, right? The Vance Joseph's very creative. They don't have a really talented D-line. It's not like, oh, wow, their front four can get there all the time. But they're, they're not bad. I don't, J.J. Watt's still, still a force. I mean, Marcus Golden's not a bad player. They're just not a dominant that way. But they're pretty good against the run. They got very athletic linebackers. They got two safeties and number 34, Thompson and Buda Baker, that I would put up there with the best duos in the game. They got very good corners. Marco Wilson, Byron Murphy Jr., they're ballers. So the defense is holding up its end of the bargain. All you got to do is pull up the schedule and look at the scores and go, oh, they are. It's the offense that's sucky-ducky, Mike. I mean, they're, it's pitiful. And, I, you know, I don't know where you want to begin on that subject, but there's issues across the board. It's a spread offense that can't really make any plays throwing the football. I mean, it's it, they're, they're in the bottom of almost every category. 
I mean, they really are. Yards per play is really where they're horrible. You know, their total yards per game is not bad, but they don't score points, right? They're not very good on third down, Mike. And their average yards per play, as you just watch their games, I mean, it's it's spread football, three-yard pass, four-yard pass, three-yard pass, four-yard pass. Look at their drives. There's 18-play drives, 15-play drives for field goals. So it's the offense that's got a lot of the assets and money as far as the salary cap are concerned, and they're not holding up their end of the deal for sure in this one. And think of how last season ended, because after 10-2, and two, they right. fell apart. That's in keeping with the trend that is proven by the Cliff Can't Finish graphic that we put up from time to time, dating back to 2013, his first year as a head coach at Texas Tech. The good news is this year has busted the trend because they aren't starting strong. And when you go all the way back to last year, when they beat the Cowboys, no, not the Cowboys, the Bears, excuse me. Yeah, they beat the, the one Bears in, in Chicago. Five, right. 33 to 22, pushing the Cardinals to 10 and 2. Since then, they are 3 and 9, including the playoff loss to the Rams. Three wins. Nine losses. So from 10 and 2 to 3 and 9 in their 12 games since then, something has fallen off and they can't get it back on track on a consistent basis in Arizona. And, you know, Chris, after the season ended, there was the initial consternation regarding Cliff Kingsbury. There was reporting that Michael Bidwell, the owner of the team, was livid. And there was a thought that maybe Kingsbury was going to be in trouble. I had him on the list of coaches who needed to at least be thinking about putting a for sale sign out in the front yard. And then Kingsbury gets an extension. Yeah. And GM Steve Kime gets an extension through 2027. And that just seemed like a long time. And I just wonder whether it was an effort to stabilize the situation for at least one year. We don't know the terms of the extensions. Yeah. More and more of these coaching contracts aren't fully guaranteed. Right. Parts of it are, but yeah. Right. Parts are, but we don't know. Yeah. We don't know how much money Cliff Kingsbury is making. Usually, you hear something. Right. You get some report. You have some idea where this coach fits in the overall hierarchy of veteran coaches who have been around and who have, have taken the team to the playoffs. And that was the big argument. They've gotten better every year. They were terrible before Cliff Kingsbury got there. They've gotten better every year. They were terrible before Kyler Murray got there. They've gotten better every year. Then Kyler Murray gets his extension, and there's all that stuff about his study clause. There's just been this cloud of dysfunction hanging over the team, and are we surprised they're 2-4 and four because of it? And it all comes down, Chris. We talked about it after Matt Rule was fired. We've talked about it in the past about Cliff Kingsbury. Other college coaches, Urban Meyer last year, prime example of it. I just don't believe guys who primarily made their way in college. When they get to the NFL, I know Cliff Kingsbury played in the NFL, and he was with NFL teams before he became a college coach. I just think they lack the understanding that the all-in, full-time NFL coach has as to how to properly button up everything, how to properly self-scout, how to properly scout the other team, how to properly stay just a little bit ahead of what you're doing and what they're doing to create game plans. It's system Mm -hmm. at the college level. I got a great system, and I got great athletes. So it doesn't matter if I have stuff on film that's being picked up, little nuances that I can't even begin to grasp. And I don't have to spend the time 
figuring out where my weaknesses are or where their weaknesses are. I got a bunch of great athletes. Yeah. I'm just going to put the ball in their hands. I think back to the Rich Rodriguez, West Virginia Mountaineers. There were four plays. Yeah. And right. everybody was faster on one side of the ball than they were on the other side of the ball. Yeah. So the X's and O's fell apart because you give the guy the ball who's really fast and he's gone. So I feel like that's where we are. Yeah. And the spread offense with the superior athlete doesn't work in the Not NFL. Not in the NFL. Right. The gap isn't big enough. Exactly. And those other that's athletes it, are going to figure out how to get to you. Exactly Because they're right. studying your film and they know exactly what you're doing before you're even doing it. Right. You're, you're not going to be that superior to the majority of the defensive players in the league like you're talking about. This is not college football where, yeah, you could be at a school, you could be coaching at Texas A&M like Cliff Kingsbury was at one point or even Texas Tech and step on the field some games and just go, oh, we're so much clearly better than them, we could run three plays the whole game and, and win the football game. It is. It's different, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I used to be a little bit like – forgiving for that thought but I think over the last year and a half or so I've you you've pretty you've nailed down or nailed home that you nailed down that point and I'm, I'm with you in that that it's just a different world it's a different game I've always known that for sure and I think you bring up all the right points it's just the specific game plan specific game planning that doesn't go on with college football coaches for the majority again you know no disrespect I love college football but even when I was working at Notre Dame, I mean, it was, it would be, you know, I'd do the games right on Saturday and fly back and, you know, do all that stuff. You remember that a few years ago? I was always a little bored watching film in college football. Oh, same coverage. Oh, same coverage. Oh, same coverage. Oh, same coverage. Oh, well, wait, I've seen this play on the offensive side of the ball. It's the, it's the, it's the end of the first quarter. I've seen this play five times already. So that's where it's different. And that's what is showing when you look at Arizona and, and to your point, with like Rich Rodriguez, Cliff Kingsbury grew up in that same school there. You know, he wasn't really involved in the NFL world, world very much. He had a cup of tea as a player, basically, and the same thing as far as an assistant is concerned. And now, you know what? I'm looking at it now, Chris. He never was an assistant at the NFL. Level. No, for some he was, reason, I thought he was with New England for a short He was a de facto no. player, like um, quality control guy when he was in New England. You know, he was on – so that's where I think maybe you thought thought that. One he, year. Right, he was one year. One year. Right. 2003. And then got was, a ring. He got a got ring. Got a ring. Right, right. And went right back to college. But, you know, so, yeah, I, I, hey, he played quarterback, you know, under Mike Leach and company. I played against them in college. Mike Leach had a sheet, and I'm not joking you, and go watch Mississippi State now. This big. This big. And he just would go – well, we'll do that one. There was, there was had to be 10, 20 plays on there. Now, Cliff Kingsbury's sheet's bigger than that, but the concepts are, are just too ordinary. They're too elementary. And then, like, Mike, you know, you watch the Cardinals a lot. We both, you know, enjoy watching Kyler Murray and what he can bring to the table. So, but you, you see it. What, life is hard for them. There's, there's no explosive plays. They're last in the league in yards per play in the pass game. It's dink and dunk as it ever gets. It's two-player reliant. And then, of course, as you know in that offense, the run game's really an afterthought. It's an afterthought. So there's no attitude to smash mouth and do that. Their running statistics are better than what they really are because Kyler Murray scrambles for some great runs every now and then. But the traditional hand it off to the running back, negative ghost rider. That's sucky-ducky too. Or they don't even really want to do it. That's, that's, the, that's the point. And then I think when you couple that with the 
Kyler Murray, the biggest flaw in his game is something that you and I have talked about, and we all saw in that playoff game last year with the Rams. He he's he makes he does not make a lot of big throws in the pocket with people around him, and that's the name of the game. I mean, you know that, right? I mean, we watched Mahomes and Allen last weekend, and they're moving around, and people are around them, and it doesn't matter. Oh, wait, there's five guys on me, and it's third and nine. Doesn't matter. I'm going to, boom, throw another 20-yard throw. You know, Brady in his prime, whoever, that's what they do. And uh, so they're, they got some major flaws, Mike, on that side of the ball. I'm looking at Cliff Kingsbury's background. First of all, you and he entered the NFL the same year. Same year, yeah. The, the light bulb finally went off in my brain after all these years. Although he, at a Texas institution, was the AP National Offensive Player of the Year for 2002. What do you have to say for yourself about that? Yeah, well, you know, hey, that's good for him. He was a good player. He was a good player. He, you know, they threw the ball 70 times a game. But it's that same system. It's that same system. It is. They Texas threw it 70 Tech. times a game. Right, it is. And, and, and that's where, you know, again, I think to your point with the college and the NFL where the NFL guys – maybe not be as good on the personality connecting with players level, but they're all in on all the points you said. Football, football, football. I got to do this. Chess move, chess move, chess move here. I got to self-scout myself. Oh, wait, last week I did this. This week I got to do that off of it. You know, this team does this, so I got to come up with a group of plays against that. And then I feel like the college coaches are – you know, for lack of a better way to say, it, they're 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 city slickers. They're 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 smooth talkers. They get the guys in there. Hey, we love you. You the man. Hey, oh whoa 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 whoa. We could do all that, but they don't really want to coach. They don't really want to get in the nitty gritty like Urban Meyer leaving the office at six o'clock every day. And so that's where I think there's a difference there too. And I think it's showing right now. That is for sure. I mean, it's it's really painful to watch a team that you know again shouldn't be what they are on the offensive side of the ball. They shouldn't be this. Uh, not that I'm blown away by their talent, but it's still good enough to be, you know, more points, more yards, everything, more explosive uh, than, than what it is. That's for sure. But, Chris, the whole bet was that the Cliff Kingsbury system would work. Right. They drafted Kyler Murray. They had just used a top 10 pick, traded up to get Josh Rosen the year before, and he wasn't so bad that they would have thrown him overboard without having Kyler Murray land in their laps. Exactly. It wasn't like Josh Rosen was a disaster. Right. It was, we can get Kyler Murray. Yes. And that was a talking point for a while in the 2019 offseason. Like, really? You're going to throw this kid overboard that you traded up to get with the 10th overall pick and you don't know what he is yet? Now, maybe they had an inkling because he hasn't done anything since then. Yeah. But, but it was controversial. Right. So the point was, the system, I mean, hell, you know, and it's funny how time goes by and one year becomes the next year and you forget things. He was the offensive coordinator and the position coach for Johnny Manziel in 2012 at Texas A&M when he yeah. won the Heisman. Right. So he's been in this freewheeling, draw it up in the dirt. Exactly. Ours are better than yours. Ours are faster than yours. Ours can run circles around yours. College football spread offense mindset that has been around for the past 20 years. And... It kind of worked in 2019. It kind of worked in 2020. It really worked last year until it didn't. And now it's just not working. And what a shock. Four years of film where I doubt that they make a lot of changes year in and year out to the system. Chris. No, that's exactly right. I doubt right. that they go to the lab and say, what what can we do to overhaul this offense? Right. The offense stays the same. Right. So the defensive minds in the NFL 
get more and more adept at what it takes to shut down and slow down. And the one piece they had, the one puzzle piece they had is Kyler Murray because he does have the physical ability to outrun most defensive players, but they've still figured out how to contain him, how to, how to keep him from killing you. Yes, exactly. And we haven't seen those games this year where Kyler Murray comes out and runs for a couple of touchdowns and throws for a couple, and, and he's just he's zing, zing, zing everywhere, and, exactly. and they, can't, they can't stop it. They, they have solutions now for Kyler Murray. Yeah, they do. Well, there's enough. I think there's enough like mobile quarterbacks in football and, and guys that can escape the pocket to where – you know, to your point, you're saying it right. Teams are used to it. Not that they're, they're going to stop it all the time, but you know, every you know every other week, defenses are playing a quarterback that can get out of the pocket. Maybe not to the extent Kyler Murray can, but you know, they're 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 it's 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 a learned skill now. Oh wait, we're playing a skilled quarterback. Oh wait, we got to go to that you know check the boxes of what we do when we play that type of quarterback that runs around. So between that and hey. You know, you said it. It's the NFL. The talent gap is extremely narrow. And then when you throw in that a lot of these kids have seen the spread on a weekly basis in college football on the defensive side of the ball, and that there's some spread principles throughout the NFL, they've gotten used to defending that stuff too, let alone, to your point, Mike, it's four years. They have had moments of being good. I think people got, you know, the inventory to look at a little bit with them and go, all right, wait, wait, when they have two receivers here and the outside receiver runs this route, then the inside receiver usually runs a route that goes outside too, right? You know, they can start to piece things together. And that's what you see is just not a lot of open people, not a lot of explosive plays, nothing down the field. I mean, it's three yards in a cloud of dust in the spread offense. I mean, last in the NFL in yards per pass play, 19 points a game. I mean, field goal fest every week. You know, the offense, that's all there is to it with Arizona. They got to pick up their end of the bargain. Nine points against Seattle last week? Seattle's defense, we just, two weeks ago, we just saw the Saints having a highlight show running through it. I mean, everybody moves the ball in Seattle. You know, defense holds the Eagles to 20 points. Offense can only get 17. You know, they, 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 they get 26 against Carolina. I mean, it's, it's, it's 12 against the Rams. I mean, everything, every week is a struggle and it's uh it's tough to watch. It's not very fun right now. And as, as Kyler Murray said, rookie year is the last time things felt this difficult. Remember, this is a guy who lost three games total between his college and high school football careers. He's lost three of his last four in the NFL. And as I said earlier, three and nine over the last 12. Good news though. DeAndre Hopkins back from a six-game suspension for tonight. Bad news, Hollywood Brown out for at least a month. They thought maybe it was going to be a season-ender. Robbie Anderson arrives from Carolina. They don't expect him to be able to do much after just getting there. I mean, he just played on Sunday until he was kicked off the sideline, and then he's traded to Arizona from Carolina. Kind of a uh, a turbulent week for Robbie Anderson. I doubt that we're going to see much of him. We probably will see a lot of DeAndre Hopkins. Because he's one of those guys, too, that's got the physical superiority that, yeah, go ahead and call out the play. Exactly. Kyler's going to throw him the ball, and he's going to go get it. Yeah, that's right. Maybe that's the biggest reason why they're 2-4. and four. He doesn't have a guy like that that he can use as a security blanket in the passing game. No, I, Mike, I, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong with that thought. Not that I think it puts them over the top, and all of a sudden we go, oh, wow, the Cardinals are back. But I, I do think to what you're saying – 
You know, yeah, he is one of those guys. The simplicity, whatever. But when in doubt, oh, wait, he's one-on-one. Let me just throw it up to him. And he'll catch it. I mean, he's the damnedest thing you've ever seen with being covered. He's, he's going to go down to one of the greatest receivers ever with people around him and great hands and all of that. That's what he was. That's what that's his bread and butter. So they have missed that. But it, to your point there, it, again, it's it's just a little too reliant, you know, on my on my phrase on the Jimmys and Joes. There's not an X, not enough X's and O's to to you know help these guys out a little bit. You know, think about you know, just a few weeks ago against the Eagles. It's a three yard pass over the middle of the Hollywood Brown. He makes four guys miss, and then run, I mean that's how they score touchdowns. You know, they get down the field, it's Kyler Murray, you know, oh, he finally broke a play, and he's the roadrunner running through the defense and got a 40-yard gain, and that got him down in the field goal position. It, it's, it's very uh, spotty with, with big plays, and, and, you know, part of that is Cliff Kingsbury. Part of that is, I, I do want to say, Kyler Murray's inability to push the ball down the field and make big throws in a crowded pocket. That's a real thing. And one of the things that's troubled him throughout his career is third down football. Last year was the best year he had. And that was one thing I, I remember going into last year. I was really saying it a lot of my podcasts and things like Kyler Murray, the biggest issue, they got to get his biggest issue is third down football. When people know you're going to, you know, throw the ball, they're more conscious of the, what you were talking about, keeping them in the pocket. And now third downs quarterback down. You got to be aggressive and make a big throw, usually into a tight window. And you see most of the teams that are really good on third down have a great quarterback. And that, that's another area that lacks for them. I mean, the fact that they're 28th in football on third down, that's, that's embarrassing with some of the talent they have on that side of the ball. That's, that's just, just not acceptable for a guy like Kyler Murray and some of the receivers they got. We've talked about how simple and solvable the Arizona Cardinals offense has become Cliff Kingsbury recently addressed the possibility that he would give up the responsibility of being the one who calls the plays. Let's have a listen to what he said on that subject. Um, you know, I'm open to anything that, that helps us win and score more points. So um, we're going to see where everything goes. But yeah, whatever it takes to win, I'm all for it. I don't know that that's a strong commitment to exploring Not the possibility at all. of all. turning over the play calling duties. And when there aren't that many plays to call, what difference does it really make? When the issue is more fundamental to the offense, not the menu of plays and as you pick them, but the actual quality and quantity. It's like the menu at the diner they went to in My Cousin Vinny, breakfast, lunch, dinner. There isn't a complicated array of choices <laughs> for the play caller to make in Arizona. So and, and then there, I was looking at the coaching staff. I don't know who he would turn it over to. He's got two passing game coordinators, Cam Turner and Spencer Whipple. He's got a run game coordinator in Sean Coogler. I don't know who he would say, here, you call the plays. I don't get the impression that he means it, that he's really considering it. And I don't think he's going to do it unless somebody tells him to do it. And I think Michael Bidwell understands, I'd like to think he understands, as we do, it's not an issue of calling plays. It's an issue of designing plays yes. it's an issue of staying ahead of what the other teams know are going to be the potential plays they're going to see in any given game yeah right it's it's, it's deeper rooted issues uh, you're exactly right it, it's a it's one where you know if, if Cliff Kingsbury ever asked me and like what do you do I'd go you got to get some people in that building on the offensive side of the ball that are from different offenses that give you some fresh ideas and some different approaches about how you want to play and I, I think that's that would be the thing, and I think that's what you're talking about there. 
You know, yeah, there's so what the guy takes over a new play caller. It's still the same plays. You're exactly right. It's not like he's going to be bringing his new flavor here in week seven and go, you know, scrap the playbook. I'm an, I'm going to invent a new one here. That That's not going to happen. So, yeah, they are what they are at this point. They just got to figure out how they want to play or how they're going to figure out how to play to win some of these football games. That That's the biggest thing. And we'll see if they can do that against the Saints tonight. It'd be interesting. You know, the Saints got some positive things working right now and have some issues as well. And uh, you know, that's, where, that's where it'll be fun. That's where Thursday night, I know they're two and four, but damn, there's pressure on both sides, both teams right here. This is kind of like a... This is kind of like it. You lose this and go two and five. I want to be like, yeah, you maybe got like one more chance to go on a run here. But you're 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 in deep trouble because you don't see these teams just you know running the table at the end of the year. They're not that type of quality. You're creeping towards six or seven losses before Halloween. Right. You got a problem. Right. You got to you got to basically treat November and December like January. You got to win and win and win. And we see teams that do that from time to time, but you don't want to be put in that position where your back's against the wall, where you've got to basically run the table or, you know, go go nine and one yeah, over right. your final ten games right. to have a shot. You're right. Huge difference between three and four and two and five. Hugely dramatic difference. And one of these teams is going to end up there barring a tie. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We'll talk about the Saints in a second, but yeah. the bridge subject yeah. I want to throw out there. Okay. This may, this may, depending upon where this goes, this could screw up our outline for the rest of the show. But let me give you the background real quickly. I do every Wednesday at 6.10 p.m. Eastern, 3.10 p.m. Pacific, a 10-15-minute right. spot with KJR in Seattle. And as you may imagine, they take a certain amount of glee in the struggles of Russell Wilson. It's, it's a little over the top, frankly. And... Like I said, can't you just be happy you're three and three and you have Geno Smith? Why does it have to be right. that you're thrilled that Russell Wilson stinks this year? But one of the things they're curious about is whether or not Sean Payton becomes the guy to save Russell Wilson next year. And frankly, if I'm Payton, I've seen enough. I no, no. The the, the time to coach Russell Wilson is past. I I would rather have a quarterback that I can do more with that who can do more with his legs. And, may, and you know what? Maybe Peyton would welcome the challenge that he could make Russell Wilson into Drew Brees. I don't know. I say all that because yeah. if I'm Sean Payton, I'm fascinated with the possibility sure. of taking Kyler Murray. Sure. And making Kyler Murray Drew Brees and the Roadrunner as a Frankenstein monster mashed together. You know, Drew Brees with a, a level of, of speed that Drew Brees would never have in his entire life. I, I, and and who knows? Sean Payton's going to have his pick of multiple destinations, and we know he's coming back next year. He's talked about it enough, right? I, I'm I've become smitten with the idea of Sean. And sorry, Cliff, but you know, if you weren't two and four and three and nine over the last twelve games, and the struggles weren't there, and the issues that we discussed weren't there, we wouldn't be having this conversation. 
I kind of like the idea of Peyton coaching the Cardinals next year and seeing what he could do with Kyler Murray. I I, I hear you. I mean, I'm, I'm 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 I'd be interested to see that too. I would. I mean, there's definitely some intriguing things about Kyler Murray's game. You know, I I know I spoke about some negative things, but I mean, he's still he's got a top notch arm, and like you said, his speed is real. The size is the thing you got to overcome. It's a real thing. There's no doubt about that. Now, Sean Payton, yeah, he built a team of you know, the biggest biggest damn offensive lineman in the world to put a wall in front of Drew Brees because he knew he was a smaller quarterback. But this is like, this is also a different, this is even a different level of small. Like Drew Brees is like a big 6'1 and change guy. You know, his big shoulders, long arms. He's got a lot of features that are like bigger than 6'1". And, and, and Kyler Murray, as we've seen before, he's rocked up and he's muscular, but he's... Five ten and it a half. It makes him look smaller. It, yeah, it makes does. Him, at he times. looks smaller than that. And he's five ten and a half. And those extra two three inches are they're they're that's a big difference. There's no doubt about it. So, but I but I hear you. I I do think you know he'd be very intriguing with with some of the pieces they got on that roster. And uh, I know you're right. He's he's going to be back. But but I I hear you there. That's that's uh, that's something to keep your eye on. The Saints are 2-4, and four, and frankly, one of the reasons they're struggling is they don't have Sean Payton, as I said before the season. Who replaces the yeah. work ethic, the there every night until 2 or 3 in the morning, studying plays from around the league, figuring out how to incorporate them on right. the fly into right. the players that he has. And hey, they've been in some games. They could be better than that, but they are 2-4. and four. That's where they are, and... Chris, what's your assessment, big picture, of, of where this team is and what they need to do to, to get themselves in a position where they're not 2-5 and five coming out of this game? You know, they're close. They're close. That's why I'm not going to give up on the New Orleans Saints yet at 2-4. and four. I'm not. And uh, one, hey, we've seen, I mean, you're right with the Sean Payton thing, and especially early on in the year. Now, one thing that's happened over the last few weeks is they have their offensive line back. Now, Andrews Pete, I know he's going to be out tonight. But still, to have four of their five main guys in there is a big deal. And I don't think that's a coincidence in the fact that over the last three weeks, we've seen their run game explode. Uh, and that's been the also the infusion of Taysom Hill quarterback design runs, too, when he's in there and the Wildcat stuff. So, you know, that's where, you know, you look at the Saints, they, they, their offense, it's up there. They give you some problems. The past game has been a little inconsistent, and they've had injuries at receiver, and they got that issue again tonight. But, like, you know, I think there's some positive things to look at, and the way that when their offensive line's healthy, it's one of the better offensive lines in football. It can mash people. Um, but, but they need, you know, Olavi and Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas to be healthy a little bit. They need those guys to help out Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston who aren't just going to tear you apart with a bunch of no names. They're not. They need those guys to, you know, catch a ball and break a tackle and get an extra 20 yards or whatever. So, you know, from that side of the ball, there's some encouraging things. Their downfall, Mike, in my opinion, is the defense this year. The defense is good, but it's not dominant like we've seen the last few years. And they are um they're 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 a little too over aggressive. If you had to make me say one thing about them, Mike, too many big plays. Think about the last few weeks, just in alone, the Vikings game in London. It was one big throw to Justin Jefferson after another. The next week against Seattle, it was 
Lockett and Metcalf and Kenneth Walker breaking 60s and 70-yard runs and passes. They were smothering Seattle. It was the damnedest thing I ever saw on film, Mike. The defense, it would be like gain of zero, gain of one, you know, gain of zero, punt it out. Next drive, gain of one, gain of zero, 70-yard touchdown. I mean, so they – and then last week against the Bengals, what did we see there? Same type of thing. Yeah, Jamar Chase out here, one-on-one, break a tackle, touchdown. Oh, Jamar Chase over here, one-on-one, boom, touchdown. You know, oh, we blitz and we're really close to Joe Burrow, but, oh, he escaped and he ran for a 20-yard touchdown. That, that has been their issue this year. Their defensive line is not as good as in years past. They're, they've aged a little bit, Mike. So I'm not giving up on them, but they have some flaws for sure. This last play against the Bengals, I mean, I what? love Tyron Matthew, but what the hell was he doing there? Uh, it's it's um, it, it doesn't look good on that department, you know. And they gave him a huge contract. I, I mean, good for him. Yeah. Good for him taking care of his business. All for it. All for it. But, but. Uh, you know, I, listen, this is a guy that I love and have loved him throughout his whole career, but it, it's less than right now. And he looks like a guy that doesn't really want to tackle or do anything. And I can show you plays from the last three, four weeks where I'd go, ah, he made a business decision there and said, no, thanks. I'll just let him go. So, you know, there's that. The front four, I think this is the biggest difference in their defense. Their front four can't get home. And then years past where we, they were beating Brady and, and winning some games like that, right, they didn't have to blitz. And right now they can't do that. And then that's having to make, you know, um, uh, Allen, what the hell is Dennis Allen, excuse me, it's having to make him maybe call a little, little more blitzes than, than, than in years past. And that's, of course, compromising them in the back end a little bit and has let up some big plays. But you, know, you can't just sit there and think that, that group, that front four is going to get there and get theirs every, you know, every game as far as the sacks are concerned. And I asked the question, who's replacing Sean Payton? Literally, it's Dennis Allen, who could focus exclusively on the defense in past years because Sean Payton was the head coach and the offensive coordinator as a practical matter. Now Allen's got to spend less time with the defense because he is yeah. the head coach of the team. And yeah. there's only so many hours in the day. And the question is, how much sleep do you want to go without? How many nights per week? Do you want to fold the couch open? And, and and I'm sure that coaches who actually sleep in the office have something better than that. They're not pumping up an air mattress. But how many nights per week are you sleeping in the office? How are you turning your life upside down week in and week out as you commit or don't to spending every waking moment to getting your team ready? And it's a transition. And, and Sean Payton was maniacal about it. So – it's not easy to do. And then you throw on top of it, Chris, Michael Thomas, out. Right. Jarvis Landry, right. out. Andrus Pete, out. Marshawn Lattimore, out. That's not good. And I'm look, this doesn't mean they would have been ready to go if the game was on a Sunday, but this is one of the realities of short week football. Guys who are injured have three fewer days to get themselves together and ready to go. And you're going to have some guys who just can't make it, just can't play. And I'd rather that than put a guy out there who shouldn't be, but it diminishes the quality of of a given team, and it makes it hard for that team to win. Yeah, it does, and there's no question. That's the problem with Thursday Night Football, and I think that's why we, you and I have, you know, for really the last two years tried to say, can't we find a formula where it's not a four-day rest period for teams or a three-day rest period and then play on the fourth day? Can't we find another way to do this, to make the game more quality, to save the players from injury, you know, to, to, to allow the coaches to game plan a little bit more? To let the guys get healthy, there's a lot of reasons that they they you know they should they should be able to 
figure out ways to do this. And uh, I think it would lead to a better product. It might lead to a better, less of a snooze fest with the Broncos and the Colts or last week's snooze fest with the Commanders and the Bears. And, you know, we've hit on this a million times, right? I mean, you're taking away some guy's ability to go, wait, you know, Thursday, Friday, that's when I really, man, I start to get in my groove and I add a few little extra wrinkles and things that I just, ooh, man, I was thinking about this because I'm in the fourth day in a row of thinking about them and, oh, this came to me or I saw this on film from another team and I want to infuse it into our game plan. All that stuff kind of goes out the door in these weeks. It's basic. And that's where it's uh, it stinks a little bit, to, to your point. And, and all I know is my son and I were watching West Virginia Baylor on one screen, Washington, Chicago on the other last night. One game's 43-40, when the other game's 7-6. to six. And the NFL said earlier this week, they're not troubled by the fact that scoring is significantly down. No, they're not. But when scoring is up, they make sure they crow about it every Monday with statistics pushed to people like me. So I'll write stories about how much more scoring there is and much more excitement there is. And it's just not there this year. Um, the issue of short week football and is there a way to structure Thursday night so the teams that are playing on Thursdays don't play the prior Sunday, that's on my perpetual list of stories to write. And I'll get around to it one of these days. But that started four weeks ago. Four weeks ago? Three weeks ago. I'm already losing track of time this season it was three weeks only three weeks ago tonight that the Tua Tonga-Vailoa concussion happened against the Bengals he's now cleared and we'll see him back on Sunday night football Steelers at the Dolphins here's Tua from yesterday talking about the concussion that he suffered three weeks ago tonight against the Cincinnati Bengals the, the, the night it happened uh, obviously it was scary for all of us to see mm-hmm. was it scary for you at the time uh I wouldn't say it was scary for me at the time um because there were there there was a point where um, I was I was unconscious, so I, I couldn't you know really tell what was going on. Um, so you know when when I did come to and kind of realized uh, what was going on, what was happening, you know I I, I never I didn't think of of anything um, you know long term or short term. I was just wondering what happened. Uh, so yeah. You remember much about that night? Yeah, I remember the entire night up to the point where uh, I got tackled. Uh, but yeah, after after I got tackled, I, I don't remember uh, much from from there getting carted off. I don't remember that, um, but I do remember uh, you know things uh, that were going on when I was in the ambulance and then when I arrived at the hospital. You know, it's harrowing to hear that, but that's what happens when you suffer a brain injury and you don't remember a lot about it. And you're not thinking, am I okay? Uh, how long will I miss? Are you thinking of where am I and what happened? Yeah, right. I don't feel right. Something's wrong here. Right. What's going on? And you know, I admire the fact that he's willing to step back into the fray. I hope that someone has explained to him that he has an obligation to himself to better protect himself, get rid of the football, hit the deck, look for a way to get out of bounds. Just don't take those ragdoll hits because you're not big enough. The physics are not in your favor when you're a smaller quarterback and these defensive linemen are bigger and faster and stronger and can whip you around the way that he was. You can't do that to a guy who's 6'5 and 230 
You can do it to a guy who's listed as six one. They got him at two seventeen now. There's no way he's two seventeen anymore. He's yeah. got some, that was, he's that got was some like rocks his, in, that was maximizing some, his weight in college. Rocks in his pockets. T- I, he was originally one ninety when he came out of Alabama. So I don't know where that twenty seven pounds is, but it, we saw it happen three weeks ago. We saw how the physics aren't in the favor of a smaller quarterback, and I hope he can avoid. Similar injuries in the future. I, it was a little irritating because I saw some reports on Sunday that, oh, you know, he's perfectly fine. And they, they, the, his brain scan is fine. And there's, you know, everything's fine. Well, first of all, we don't know anything about what CTE or may or may not have because there's no way to know until someone is dead and you look at their brain tissue. Oh, so we don't know what long-term effects he's going to have. And we don't know how many more of these concussions he's going to suffer. There's going to be another job at best at some point where – they're just not going to clear him. Yeah, right. Remember Javid Best? He, yeah. had all, he had the, the concussion issues. Out of California, he was explosive and an awesome player, yeah. The, the, the Jim Harbaugh-Jim Schwartz confrontation game from October of 2011. Right. In that game, he, Javid Best, because he was great yeah. rookie year. Yeah. It just kind of fell and hit his head in his second season, and it didn't look all that bad, and he just never played again. Right. Couldn't get cleared after that. And I don't know what the the magic number is. I don't know how many concussions before a doctor will just say to a guy, you're not allowed to get back on a football field again. But if I'm Tua Tonga-Vailoa, that's my motivation. I, I Someone explains to me, Tua, there's only so many more of these you can take before they just say you can't play professional football anymore. So you've got to do what you can to avoid them. Yeah. The problem is it also creates an even stronger temptation to say it's my back. That's that you know. We hopefully we finally learned that we can only rely on a small handful of players to tell us the truth when they suffered a head injury. It's that small handful that doesn't have to worry about somebody else taking their place and never looking back. But for two of the worry now is I don't know. There's a certain number of these where it's just it, it, it's uh, sorry, it, you just can't play anymore. Yeah, especially if they're the the uh, you know aggressive nature or the type of ones we saw right against Buffalo or that. I mean that's. That's a different story. Or Buffalo or the Thursday night game against the Bengals. It's it's a different story. I mean, that's like those are like that's severe concussion. That's not like oh my bell got rung. That's like oh crap, this guy can't even walk. I mean, or he doesn't remember what the hell happened the rest of the day. That's different. That's even a different level of the normal bell rung. Oh yeah, you know you hear ex players go. Oh, I probably got a you know ten concussions in my career. Yeah, but none of them were to that extent, you know. I'm sure, like guys like my dad and Troy Aikman and John Elway, they're probably in d- double-digit concussions, but not like concussions like I'm drunk at the bar and I I need somebody to drag me out to the cab to send me home. That, that this was like these were eye popping. That was eye popping that he came back in the game against the Bills and then played the next week. I mean, we we were all shocked. You know, so that that's where it's uh, there's a microscope on him now too, and and you're right, he's got to be extra extra careful here, and they don't got a great old line. It's a good old line. It's not great, and now you got to play Pittsburgh, who still can get after the quarterback, and you know that's that's where he's yeah he's got to watch it. There's no doubt about it because I think another serious one like that, a staggering stumbling one, maybe one or two more. Uh, he there there's going to be people that are going to start bringing that conversation up to him like you sure you want to keep doing this i think you know for your long-term health you need to uh reevaluate your stance on playing in the nfl
It was 13 years ago this month that the NFL had its concussion epif- a concussion epiphany forced upon it by Congress and started to implement more clear and aggressive rules for returning to play. And in those 13 years, and maybe even before that, I can't remember a four-day window that was more problematic for the NFL as it relates to head trauma. Yeah. Between the the clear and obvious to everyone but the two doctors involved head injury that he suffered against the Bills, and then the more graphic and troubling head injury just four nights later. And here he is for his first game back in prime time, all eyes on that game. And I suspect some people are going to be tuning in with that kind of morbid curiosity. Exactly. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm right. not saying it's right. But, yeah. I, I, I'd rather people tune in to watch a football game between two two pretty good teams on a night when they're honoring the 1972 Dolphins and we're in throwbacks. There's a celebratory feel to this sure, game. Sure, And there's some interesting subplots like Brian Flores back in Miami. Yeah. Stephen Ross's suspension over, coincidentally, uh-huh. at the same time. Um, but there's going to be people. Field. There's going to be yeah. people who are going to be like, I wonder what's going to happen to this Tua Tonga Vailoa that I've I've been reading about for the past few weeks. He's coming back to play in prime time against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going. I want to tune in to see what happens yeah. next. There's yeah. going to be people who feel that way. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. This is a big deal. It was a huge deal. You know, the casual football fan who's not even tuned in all the time and may not even watch Thursday night, they knew about this. They did, and as I told you, I had a number of parents and people texting me that night that were concerned about it. And I, I think you're, I think you are right. I think people are going to tune in to just go, you know, what's this dude look like here? What's he look like? What's he going to look like the first time Cam Hayward drives him into the ground? Is he going to be okay here? And you know, again, that's that's part of the sport. They are gladiators, and uh, it's it's he knows what he signed up for, and he's going out there again to do it. And that's where, you know, you always say it's, it's a different human being that plays in the NFL. Most of them are, are borderline psychos, and I mean that in a good way. But they love to compete. They love the adrenaline. They love the big lights. It's the most macho of macho environments in all of our country. And it's people that pride themselves on that. And then it's also, I want, I want to be out there with my team and my players and my friends and the camaraderie, and there's all those personal emotions, too, that play into a player's you know, mind and habits and everything there. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I think we'll all be somewhat watching the game, and you know, every time he throws and gets hit, we're going to be like, ooh, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. I mean, that's going to be part of the game here with Tua for at least the next few weeks for sure. And two angles that – are going to invite potential cynicism as this game approaches. Number one, Kenny Pickett, the Steelers starting quarterback, suffered a concussion on Sunday against the Buccaneers. Will he be cleared to play in that game just one week after? There was a time where if you suffered a concussion, you weren't playing the next game. That was the default. Now it's flipped the other way where you know, within a week you can get cleared to play. Will he get cleared or will there be a concern about optics that keeps him out and keeps Mitch Trubisky in? And second, Chris, to bring together the two big storylines of the past few weeks, if you do hit Tua, is the referee going to pull the flag? Yeah, right. Is that force field going to be even stronger yeah. when someone hits Tua Tonga-Vailoa on Sunday night? Yeah, I know. It's going to be on the referees' minds. They're humans. You're right. You know, and so that's, that's a very valid point to kind of watch that. You, know, you couple that with the Kenny Pickett thing. 
You know, there's, yeah, this is, it's kind of, I don't want to sound insensitive, but it's kind of like must-watch TV just from that angle alone, let alone, yeah, we want to see the 72 Dolphins and the Dolphins and the Steelers and all of that stuff. But, I, I, you know, I'd be lying, too, if I'm not intrigued to go, whoa, Kenny Pickett's going to play against Tua with that story, and he's coming off a concussion where he just hit his head on the ground, similar to Tua. I know he didn't stumble and stagger and do all that, but... I, I really thought with the Kenny Pickett situation, I thought maybe the NFL might just step in and be like, yeah, this game's on national TV and it's against Tua. Let's, uh, hey, Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh, I think uh, Trubisky's the quarterback this week, right? 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 I mean, that's I'm, I'm kind of shocked by the developments we're seeing so far. And, and we're seeing greater sensitivity to the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant, and that's the person who, as a practical matter, has that go or no go. And I... I'll be surprised if he's cleared to play. And it does add to the overall intrigue of the game, and it will cause more people to tune in and just see what happens. There's curiosity. It's a big topic. Like you said, it's crossed over. Every year there's a storyline or two that crosses over beyond football, and this clearly is one of them. Let's take a break. When we return, in Tampa Bay, will current coach Todd Bowles lean on former coach Bruce Arians to help turn things around. We'll discuss that when PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 